Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. Unbelievable deals they've got, by the way, this week for the NCAA tournament. Make sure you check out both the DraftKings Sportsbook and the regular DraftKings app is a good week to get on those two apps and check it out for college hoops. We primarily talk college football here on the College Draft Podcast. And in particular, we're talking about prospects. And today starts our two weeks in a row talking about the big boys, the O-linemen, the guys that really make the difference between winning and losing I love it. Please, by the way, I think most of you know, I'm a former offensive lineman myself, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube.com, slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can follow all the stuff we do on social media. At Ross Tucker Pod means a great deal. When you guys engage in any way, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome any way, shape, or form that you engage with the show, the retweet, the like, all that stuff. The star of this show, though, it's Emory Hunt. He is the man. By the way, I did have some daddy sodas on Saturday, some Floyds. My buddy got me some Floyds. They were delicious. But check out Emory at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, which is a huge YouTube channel, and then – if you don't have it already, I don't know what you've been waiting for, but footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Don't wait until two weeks before the draft. Get it now so you can take your time and reading through all of the different profiles. I've told you guys before, there is no other draft guide like it just from the sense of how many different people Emery does evals on. Emery has background on. It's really pretty awesome. Emery, how are you? I'm doing fine, Ross. It's a great morning to talk some football. I'm glad we get to talk your position now, the most important positions on the field. Yeah, I mean, look, quarterback's still the most important position, but O-line, I mean, you even look at, like, free agency, and we'll see what happens over the next couple of days, but I think Corey Lindsley, the former Packers center, 
who's a free agent, uh, Joe Thune. I think a lot of these guys are going to be getting paid. Trent Williams, O-line matters. O-line is important. Should be joined momentarily by Brandon Thorne, who uh, is an O-line expert. He'll join us for the next couple weeks. Really looking forward to that. But I do want to start with this, Emery. First of all, what's the latest in FCS? I saw you uh, on Twitter at FBall Game Plan posted your your latest uh, FCS poll. Some some of the notes on it. Listen, I all, the first three weeks of the spring, for four weeks of the spring, and Nichols has been doing a great job. The offense has been outstanding. Lindsey Scott has been phenomenal at quarterback. So I pushed them into my top five. They were playing so well. They scored 86 against Lincoln in Missouri, uh, a, a 70 burger um, against Lamar. Man, but they got thumped this week by Sam Houston State. 71-17. Sam Houston went out there and opened a whole can of Bearcat on them. Um, the speed that Sam Houston has, they have two NFL prospects for 2022. The quarterback was outstanding. He runs a 4-3. My goodness, they just ran all up in Nichols last week, and it was fun to watch. And then Jackson State, you got to love what Dion is doing with the Tigers in that program. They just are now going – they went from expecting to win to now – you know, or they went from hoping to win to now expecting to win. And it looked like a whole different program out there on the field. They beat the brakes off Mississippi Valley State. Love it. Absolutely love it, Emery. Um, so here's the deal. There are really, I would almost say, three different types of offensive line prospects now. There are the guys that are the pure tackles, Emery. There are the guys that are more or less the interior guys. They're pretty clearly a center or guard. They're not a tackle. They're a center or guard. And then there's the guys that played tackle in college and might be able to do it in the NFL, but might also be really good guards in the NFL, like a Zach Martin or Joel Batonio, Brandon Sheriff's another one. I mean, some of these guys that were really good college tackles, they slide in to play guard, and they made a lot of money. It was a good move for them. Yeah, and it's it's one of those talking points that we see on what people call draft Twitter, uh, where people get frustrated when you move guys to positions. Uh, but like you said, some guys, although they played tackle in college, they thrive there. The projection is like, hey, man, maybe we can take this guy's ability – and push him inside. And a lot of it, I think, personally, you probably could speak more to this than anybody. Um, a lot of it has to do with arm length and, um, you know, how they are in in a, you know in space as far as uh, out there on a the perimeter. You know, so some guys may not have the prototypical height or arm length, uh, so they project better at guard. And so that's why you see some people get talked about playing both. You just can't move anybody to any position because it requires a, a unique skill set. Uh, but that's why we see the discussion ongoing about, oh, is this guy a tackle or this guy a guard? If you're good, listen, I just want you on a team. We'll figure it out later, right? So let's start with your tackles, Emery. And I think it's interesting because, you know, you don't have chalk rankings. One of the cool things about footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide, you don't just go with the chalk like everybody else does. You've got your number one ranked tackle, Christian Darisau from Virginia Tech. Yeah, and what made me um, 
just so impressed with, with, with this game was that this dude has a counter for every counter. So anything a defensive lineman throws at him from a pass rushing perspective, he has an answer for, and he plays well with his hands. Uh, you know, our old line coach in college used to call that playing a piano. So he's able to, you know, work guys off and pass guys off. He's patient. Um, he's athletic. So he has everything that you want at that position. I think Trent Williams is a, is a comp that I have for him um, because of how well he does in pass pro, how athletic he is on a move and how dominant he can be out there on the field. So to me, just watching him, and it was a lot of consistency with what I was seeing from a positive perspective. Interesting. You know, I, I called Emery the first game he ever started. You know, there was some issue with Virginia Tech, and he started in the season opener as a true freshman for <laughs> Virginia Tech against Florida State, and he did okay, and Virginia Tech won. Now, Brian Burns got him a couple times, but Brian Burns is a first-round pick, right. and he's had a really good NFL career so far, and Darisau had to start as a true freshman left tackle, but he did some, he did some positive things that night. I like the guy you have ranked second uh, just by watching him. I, I really enjoyed watching Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Yeah, and it, for me, it, it was it's very close, man. This was this is a really good offensive tackle class, in my opinion. And Eichenberg, like you said, he's so technically sound. He's consistent on both ends of offense. He dominated. Um, and is and it you you watch you watch Notre Dame just like how you watched BYU, and it makes complete sense why both of these quarterbacks had phenomenal years because their offensive line was NFL worthy. I'm talking about from left to right, Notre Dame was dominant up front. Same with BYU, but Eichenberg, I thought you know he started the season, everybody was talking about him, then his talk kind of died off. But but when I w- dove back into the film to watch you know for the draft. Uh, I'm like, man, this, this dude is consistent. And that's how I grade. If you're like, everyone can point to a game and say, oh, he does. Look at this game. Check this game out. But if I'm picking games at random for offensive linemen because there are no stats, so you just kind of pick games at random, every game I watch, I should be able to see the same thing. You know, and that's what I saw with Eichenberg. It's just complete, consistent excellence on the left side. You know, I saw a stat, Emery where it's like 139 of the last 141 games Notre Dame has played, their left tackle was a first-round pick. Wow. Think about that. And and I think – I don't know if that's before Eichenberg or if Eichenberg ends up going in the first round, if that continues. But it's, it's pretty incredible. As promised, let's bring on my buddy – Brandon Thorne, at Brandon Thorne NFL, does a terrific job. Uh, so much to like about Brandon. You got to check him out on Twitter because he got some really cool stuff that you can access, whether it's free agent grades, college grades. Uh, Brandon is an a, a Army, Army veteran. Brandon, is that right? Air Force. Air Force veteran, yeah. yeah. So um, always make sure to thank him for his service. Uh, we'll start with this, Brandon. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Emory's top two offensive tackles, Christian Darisau from Virginia mm-hmm. Tech and Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Anything that jumps out to you about either one of those guys? Man, I mean, interesting guys. Um, 
I, I like uh, Darisaw a lot. I mean, I think his talent is undeniable. Um, I think he's one of the most talented guys in the draft. You know, the, the only thing that concerns me about him is I feel like he runs a little hot and cold in, in how he plays. Um, I think the Liberty tape was kind of concerning in that regard. UNC to a lesser degree, or not UNC, Duke to a lesser degree. But, uh, I mean, you know, he kind of reminds me of Deion Dawkins a little bit. I mean, just his frame, his build. Um, you know, I think he has plenty of power and play strength. His athletic ability is impressive. Um, I like the zone scheme that they ran at Virginia Tech and how well he executed in that scheme as well. Um, and plus, I think he has the skill set to play in more gap type concepts. So we, I don't think he's scheme dependent. Um, you know, so he has a lot going for him. Um, you know, he played hurt his freshman year, I believe. He uh, played as a true freshman um, after attending Fork Union. Um, I think he had a foot injury in his second game of the year. He played the whole year hurt and then uh, had surgery that offseason. So, you know, I think that speaks to his ability to play hurt, you know, toughness. Um, so that was impressive. Um, so I, I like Darisaw. He, he wasn't, um, you know, that high for me, but I could definitely see him being maybe the best tackle in the draft uh, if, if, you know, some of those concerns get quelled um, early on. And Eckenberg is a guy I actually like a lot. Um, not top two, is not as much as Emery, but I do like him um, quite a bit. Uh, he reminds me a lot of uh, Riley Reef. I think he's the guy who could come in right away and be solid um, and probably be that way the rest of his career. I think he's very, very polished, uh, fundamentally and technically sound as a lot of Notre Dame guys are. But, um, yeah, I really like what he does in pass protection. I think he's very efficient. And, uh, you know, I was a fan of him as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm slotted. I have those guys slotted a little differently, but they're both top five type tackles for me. Um, and, I, you know, I like both. Emery, this is interesting. You've got your number three guy. I haven't seen this guy rank this high anywhere. It's clear, you mentioned earlier, you love BYU, Emory. You love the BYU. I'll never forget watching BYU against Navy. I've never seen that in the college football game. That was was unbelievable. But you've got Brady Christensen as your third-ranked tackle, Emory. Yeah, because here's the thing. We spent a lot of the season talking about Zach Wilson passing and all that good stuff and, you know, Algier running the football really well. And, you know, when you go back and study Zach Wilson, you're like, man, he has six weeks back there to throw. <laughs> it's like you're watching the tackles, you're watching the guards. You're like, oh, my goodness. They look like Notre Dame, just in white helmets, right? And so Christensen, I thought, was outstanding. And the fact that he's able to play out on the move, he's able to attack the second level with these. Sometimes you see linemen get out there on the second level and they see the target, but they're not able to consistently connect. So they kind of miss the, the target or they whiff completely. Um, but he was consistent. He was able to, to block well on the move. He has good, you know, hand usage, all that good stuff like that. And he's, I mean, in a run game, he's able to dig guys up out of there and, and just vacate space. So it's like, you know, you go from a, a C gap to like an F gap. You know, he's able to move guys all across the line. He's outstanding. So him and, and we'll talk, you know, next week about the guard. But BYU's offensive line was right up there with Notre Dame, in my opinion. So it's interesting Brandon, because the next two guys on Emory's list seem to be one and two on everybody else's list. Uh, He's got Rashawn Slater from Northwestern at four and Penny Sewell from Oregon at five. I'm really interested in this, Emory, 
because people have been acting for over a year like Penny Sewell's the greatest thing that ever happened to the world. For you to have him ranked at five certainly jumps out to me. Uh, can you explain why? Well, here's I, I think, um, and we see this a lot in in uh, draft conversation. Once one name gets thrown out there early, everybody tends to hang on that name. And that they ride that initial evaluation throughout. It's like when, uh, let's say, when Matt Barkley was, you know, the prospect that said, "Oh, he's gonna, it's gonna be a first round pick," and you know, he, so everybody started to see him in that lens, and he kind of carried that name until his last season, where it was like, you know what, maybe he's not that good of a prospect. And so for Sewell, I feel like he was the first offensive line that everybody threw out there, and just kind of, you know hung on that. But when I watched him, I just thought like, yeah, he's strong. He's physical. I didn't like his footwork. Um, I felt like he had issues there. And, you know, sometimes he wasn't as much of a finisher as you would expect a guy like that to be. Um, And so for me, there were other linemen, obviously, that I thought that at that position that were better than him. I know some people talked about him being a guard um, or a tackle. Maybe that's a, a way for him. But, you know, as far as me grading him straight as a tackle, I just felt like he's good. But maybe there are guys that do things from an athleticism standpoint better than him, so they rate a little bit higher. Brandon, what are your thoughts on Penny? So I've read up a lot on what other people have said. It it feels like people are really enamored with the natural ability. But you do see from everyone that perhaps he hasn't always put it together or that there are some consistency issues, whether it's with his feet or hands. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm very high on him. I'll just say that, and I'll you know I could tell you why. But I think the concerns with him are the fact that he's so young, um, and there's it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, there's a positive to that, obviously, because there's a lot of room for growth. But then also he's not you know the most refined uh, player in terms of technique and, and things like that either. But I would say he's still good uh, from from what I saw and and how I interpreted his tape, but. Um, man, I mean, you know, for me, he's what, what was really special to me was I got to talk to his offensive line coach a bit, and he had me watch certain games, certain plays. And there was one tape in particular, it was 2018 against Stanford, and he was 17 years old in this game. <laughs> and uh, the stuff that he was doing on that tape was just remarkable for his age, especially. Um, and his ability to um, make quick decisions on the field uh, and, you know, and basically interpret what a defense is doing very quickly post-snap and make the right decisions. And I just feel like his football intelligence was evident on tape. Um, and that's kind of a part of his game that I think is getting a little bit un- underrated and overlooked because he's 6'6", 325, and he's moving the way he does. Um, but I-, I think he's very a very savvy football player on top of that. Um, now, I, you know, I think he he's going to, ideally want to go to a situation and need to go to a situation possibly where it's a veteran offensive line room where he could get some mentorship and kind of guidance early on because he's so young and he is relatively inexperienced. So I think that's probably one caveat to his evaluation that I think is important to mention. But I mean, you know, I was very impressed with his tape. Um, you know, I think he's very explosive. Uh, and I think in pass protection, he has, plenty, you know, the range you want to see on an island to get to his spot against wide nine rushers. Um, you know, I actually liked his hands quite a bit. 
I think his play strength was was really good. I, I think the Auburn game was impressive to me against uh, Marlon Davidson off the edge, you know, 290-pound edge player. I thought the way he was opening him up on those wide zone kickout plays was impressive, not to mention, you know, him in space is, is, is pretty special. Um, so I, I don't know. I saw a guy for, you know, his situation, his age and stuff like that. I, I saw some pretty good refinement there, although compared to other guys, maybe not quite on that level. So there's, you know, I could see how people aren't maybe quite as high on him. I think Bradley Anae was a tape against Utah where he had a little bit of trouble. Um, but, man, I, I'm, I'm still very high on him. And, and the fact that he's going to be 20 years old week one, I think there's a, a lot to work with there. And from what I understand about him, it, um, you know, his his football intelligence, that that's what really secured the evaluation for me because I think the size, athletic ability, you know, his power and things like that are pretty evident. But when you have that other element to your game where you're savvy at that age, I think that that bodes well for his future. So I'm pretty high on Penesol. Let's get to Rashawn Slater. And I guess the question there, Emery, is do you see him more as a guard or a tackle? Because I've heard both. I see him more as a tackle. You know, for me, if you're dominant in one area, I kind of want you to stay there. Um, team's going to move you where they want to move you, you know, that. And so for me as just a evaluator, I tend to not project, you know, where a guy can go because that obviously you can't control that. So if he goes to this scheme, maybe someone sees him as a tackle. If he goes over here, maybe someone sees him as a guard. So just for me and, and my own sanity, let me just grade him as this. And then wherever he goes, you put him where you want him to go, you know, because the traits are just the traits, right? The scheme is, is something completely different. So I do see him as a tackle, although you can understand he can play anywhere across the front uh, because he's athletic, he's good, he's you know he, he plays uh, with that mindset that you want your offensive lineman to play with. Um, I think people – it's funny when you watch guys at Northwestern, I think people, uh, right, wrong, and indifferent, they look at those guys as, as not physically tough, right? Just from a – oh, you, that's Northwestern. That's a smart school. We can, you know uh, – we should be able to dominate those guys. But then you get out there, and now you get in, into a physical discussion with their O-line. Patty Fish is out there busting things up. The corners are out there jamming you at the line of scrimmage, and you can't stop their run game. So that's what I like about Northwestern, how they go out there. They take the fight to your doorstep, and I do like that about Slater. You know, I never real remember where I see certain things. Brandon, was it you that published the, that tweeted the video of Slater uh, – squatting and like the strength coach hit him and he turned around and looked like he wanted to kill the guy. Yeah. Well, Duke posted it, uh, Duke Mannyweather, but I, I commented on it and shared it. And I thought it was hilarious how the second time he turned around, how he was almost going to like strike that dude. That was just hilarious. Yeah. He but, was serious there. What, what do you see from him and what do you think he is, Brandon? I mean, I like Slater a lot, you know, maybe not as quite, you know, he's not my number one or number two, actually. I have another guy in there. Um, but I think number three, he's he's right there. Um, and, I mean, for me, the thing that stood out the most to him was his body control, contact balance, and footwork I thought were outstanding. Um, he's able to mirror guys up the arc and inside pretty well. Uh, and I think he's able to re recover from compromising positions very well. And I think that's a huge trait to have as an offensive lineman in the NFL because you're going to be put – in compromising positions, um, no matter who you are. So your ability to stay latched, sustain, and recover is, is important. So that was the thing that kept popping up for me on tape in the past and the run game. 
Um, so I think he processes things very quickly. He, I mean, he was, uh, I think it was against um, Michigan, the tape I watched, where they were running a lot of twists and stunts um, to his side. And this was in 2018 at right tackle. Um, and he was, he was just handling all that so well. Uh, so I watched him at right and left. Um, so he has the positional versatility that's on tape. But also I think he could play guard at a high level because his hands are so good. Um, I think when the game speeds up inside, that wouldn't be a problem for him. Um, and then, of course, it's great to see him, you know, do, you know, own his pro day the way he did. That just shows that he's he's a pro um, and he's been preparing the way that he should. Um, I, you know, one thing that I did see a little bit of uh, issue with is I think, it, you know, I'm not a big – if your arm length doesn't match 34 inches or whatever, you can't play tackle. There's plenty of tackles who play at 33 um, and change, and I think that's what he is at or 33 even. But the Iowa tape in 2019 against A.J. Epinesa, who has 34-and-a-half-inch arm, 34 arms, and he's pretty good with his hands, he had a little bit of trouble in that game, um, you know, letting him into his chest and control him a little bit. That's only going to get exacerbated, you know, as a pro. Um, and I think that was maybe, you know, and it's funny because Chase Young, he obviously played very well against him. Um but, you know, I think he faced him six or seven reps one-on-one -on -one in pass protection that game. So it wasn't like a, a full game, uh, you know, of going against him, you know, individually either. But still, nonetheless, great tape. But the, the Epinesa tape was a little concerning. I thought that popped up some issues that could give him some concerns. And then Zach Bond gave him a little trouble from Wisconsin as well uh, in 2019. So, you know, I, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a relatively safe player with a very high floor um, but I don't see an elite starter eventually, maybe very good. Um, so I think he has a little bit of a cap ceiling, but I mean, that doesn't you know mean that he can't be a really good player for a long time either. So I like him a lot, um, but I, I think he's my third tackle right now. Who's the other guy first or second? I mean, obviously Sewell's one or two. Who's the other guy? <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Tevin Jenkins. So Okay. Yeah, I love Tevin Jenkins' tape. Um, man, Oklahoma State, you know, I watched him 2019-2020, so I saw him at uh, left a little bit, at right a little bit. I thought he really improved from 2019 to 2020, which was impressive to see. Um, I think the thing that jumps out about him, he's, he's listed at 6'7", 320, um, but I think he has good feet, and his, his power I would qualify as rare. Um, his ability to, once he gets latched into a guy, pass a run game, I mean, the rep is pretty much over. And I think that that translates really well. Um, not that he'll be able to be that dominant um, as a pro, but I think, you know, that'll, you know, bode well for him being able to to establish leverage on guys and sustain it. Um, so, I, I mean, that, that just kept popping up to me. I mean, the Texas tape everybody's talking about on Twitter, you know, against Joseph Asai dominated him for the most part. Um, but the, I think all the tapes I watched were just kind of reminiscent of that one. Um, so I'm a huge fan of him. I think he could probably play guard as well. I think, um, you know, he, it, another interesting thing about his evaluation is uh, in 2020, he was the only returning starting offensive lineman on the team. Um, so I think that was, you know, kind of a interesting tidbit there. Um, he was playing with a lot of inexperience and had to move around. Um, based on injury and stuff like that. But, yeah, he kind of reminded me of Jedrick Wills a little bit. <clears throat> um, so, I am i don't know, I'm a huge fan of him, and I think he's going to be good right away. You know, the the one last guy I wanted to make sure to ask you about, Brandon, and 
Uh, Emery doesn't have him ranked that high either. But I've seen on Twitter, uh, Brandon, that you don't understand why so many people have Jalen Mayfield from Michigan ranked so high. Emery has him as his lat, you know, out of five tackle guards, you got him fifth. Uh, and I, I've seen you sort of surprised at people that have Mayfield as high as they do in the first round. Yeah. So when I watched him, I think the, the positives, I'll start there. You know, he doesn't turn 21 until May. So he's, he's, he's young. He's very inexperienced as well. So again, it's kind of a double-edged sword. He has 15 career starts. So it's like, you know, I think he needs some time uh, before he's an immediate starter. Um, but, as, you know, continuing on some of the strengths, I think he has solid athletic ability for his size. He shows the burst and movement skills in space to, to locate smaller targets. You see him pulling around the edge a couple times and leading in the run game. And at his size, I thought that was impressive. And he flashes overwhelming power at the point of attack in the run game on down blocks and angle blocks. Um, he has a nice gallop technique on double teams. So I think in the run game, he could do some things for you. But in pass protection, I saw a guy with really just a messy footwork. I didn't really see the range to get to his set point against wide nine uh, rushers and even just any kind of speed rush, um, especially guys who can counter inside. I think the Notre Dame tape was problematic, uh, to say the least. Um, he got, I think, you know, he, he struggled mightily in that game against a couple NFL guys. And then the Wisconsin tape as well was, you know, rough. Um, and I think that he just, he turns his hips so quickly to rushers and that creates that soft high inside shoulder. He just gets blown up inside. He can't, you know, get there and, and protect his corner as well as you'd want. So I, I've seen some guys protect, project him inside because of, I think, some of these reasons, which makes sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I just saw a guy who needs time. You know, there's, I think, the size, the competitive toughness is really good. I love the way he finishes his blocks, some athletic ability and power. That kind of stuff is there as a foundation. But I think technically and hands and footwork, it, he's pr a pretty good ways off right now. Here's what everybody needs to do. They need to check out Brandon on Twitter, at Brandon Thorne NFL. He's going to join us next week as well when we talk centers and guards. You already know you need to follow Emery at FBall Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Love the O-line talk. Love the difference of opinion. Love the breakdowns. And love that we get to do it again next week, talking centers and guards. Go to DraftKings for your March Madness and Play tournament stuff. You guys know what to do. DraftKings app, DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just make sure you use the code Ross. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.